Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. So whether you want to catch the game live or watch the latest blockbuster, they've got you covered. And there's no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. I am super excited for today's episode. I have an awesome guest. I'm hyped to talk to him. Drafted by the New York Yankees back in 2015. We won't hold that against him, though. He is now uh, signed with an organization that I cheer for and root for every single day. Of course, I am talking to Hobie Harris. Uh, Hobie, how are you doing today? Doing well, brother. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm hyped to talk to you. Johnny, I was talking to him uh, this past episode, and he was uh, he said, you got to talk to uh, Hobie Harris. You know, I had him on his show. Are you you are on his show and stuff? I said, yeah, dude. Let's let's get it. Uh, let's get together. Happy to have you on. Happy to talk uh, baseball. I'm happy that you're here with the Brewers, dude. That's uh, that's exciting. Um, let's jump right into it, man. Uh, what yeah. led you to baseball uh, growing up? Like, what what made you fall in love with the game? Man, as long as I can remember, uh, I had a ball in my hand. I mean, the first time I played organized baseball, I think I was three years old. Uh, my oh, nice. my parents showed me pictures of me with a glove on and a, a ball cap on when I was less than a year old. And uh, for me, the rest is kind of history. I don't remember ever not having baseball in my life. So it's always kind of been a staple. And, uh, you know, as I, as I grew up, as I got older and it got a little bit more competitive, I just, I just fell in love with the game much more, the competitive side of it. And, you know, at this point, we're just trying to see how far I can take it. Yeah. So you grew up in Texas. Uh, were you a Rangers fan or a Nationals fan? I was a Rangers Growing up north of Dallas, uh, grew up about 45 minutes from the ballpark in Arlington and uh, was a diehard fan back in, yeah. you know, the late 2000s, whenever they won't hold it against them, but lost consecutive World Series in 2010 and 2011. You know, it was a fun team to watch. Unfortunately, couldn't couldn't put the final nail in the coffin, but but definitely grew up uh, a fan of Michael Young and Alfonso Serrano, Hank Blaylock, a bunch of those guys. Dude, that that was a that's a tough time because like you're happy that your team gets to the World Series in back to back years, which, which doesn't happen often, like rarely. I think the Royals might have been the last time in fourteen and fifteen when they made it back to back. But uh, yeah, dude, to lose it and like not to like just rub salt in the wounds, but <laughs> you know, like <laughs> almost you're so close, and then it's just like oh, just right. so far away. But hey, at least you were able to watch your team get to the World Series. I haven't watched any team that I've cheered for. Uh, get to the World Series in my lifetime. I think the 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 A's where I grew up in California, they went to the World Series the year I was born. So I I was like, mm-hmm. you know, three months. You know, I didn't really I didn't really remember anything to be honest. But uh right. yeah, dude, for me, like my dad's Puerto Rican. So like Puerto Rico, like baseball is like king. Like that's like their life. So like my dad grew up a, a baseball fan. He actually grew up a Yankees fan. So he'd be hyped that I'm talking to you because you were drafted by New York. I gotta tell him that after I get off yep. here. Um that uh, you know, that's his, that was his childhood team because he he was born in Puerto Rico, moved to New York. Um, but who was your who was one of your favorite players growing up, or like somebody you like maybe mirror oh. your career after or try to? Man, my favorite player of all time, uh, I got two of them. Number one uh, was Michael Young. I mean, he was the one of the 
the captains of the Thursday when I was watching him growing up, just the way he carried himself on the field, the way he mm-hmm. was kind of a quiet leader. He kind of led by example. Um, and, you know, I compare him a lot to Derek. That's that you never really saw anything bad about him. He went on the field, took care of his business. Everybody loved him. Yeah. The team kind of rallied around him. Uh, and then number two, I think the obvious one being the Texas guys, Nolan Ryan. Yeah. You know, the Ryan Express. Uh, just that mentality he took on the mound of give me the ball and let's see how hard I can throw it by you. And just that kind of hard-nosed, blue-collar mentality of this is my stuff. Do what you can to try to hit it. And more times than not, he found success doing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. He was he was dominant for sure. Um, growing up though, like, did you or going to games? Did you have any like specific? Do you ever have? Do you have any fun memories as a kid um, at at the games or or even maybe like junior or high school as you got older? Do you have any fun memories at games? Because I have I have so many like memories from like my childhood to like recently. It just it's fun times at the games. Yeah, I think uh, one of my fondest memories when I was growing up, my little league team was was the Rangers, obviously, being that we, oh, were, nice. we yeah. were all Rangers fans. We, we played for the Rangers. So when we were seven or eight years old, it was the first time I ever got to experience batting practice. And we were up right against the rail in left field and uh, watching all these guys, you know, hit balls out of the park and being eight years old and being like, this is what we aspire yeah. to be. And the first time to get to experience that firsthand, I was that's one of my fonder memories going to a game. That's incredible. So growing up, were you obviously your pitcher? Did you play uh, any other position or and when did you become a or switch mostly to pitching? Yeah. So growing up, I actually spent about eight years catching. So I was on the receiving nice. end. And then I, uh, when I was about 14 or 15, I decided that I was tired of getting beat up behind the dish and I wanted to be yeah. the one that was delivering the pitch rather than receiving it. So, uh, I shifted more to pitching going into my junior year of high school. And then I actually played both pitcher and outfield all the way through my freshman year of junior college. And then once I got back my sophomore year, I, I went pitcher only. So before you, before you started pitching, did you ever like think like I could do this? I'd just rather be a catcher or did you have no idea that like you can throw gas? Well, so the way that, uh, my birthday lines up. My birthday's in June, so I was always younger. So I would play with the team that was older and then play with the team that was younger. Yeah. And I was always one that had a stronger arm, but whenever I played with that younger team, it was like uh, the head above everybody else as far as arm strength went. So that's when I started kind of toying with, with being on the mound. And then as I found success and as I kind of learned how to use my body a little bit more, uh, that's when it came a little bit clearer that I may have, I may have a bit of a future doing this. Yeah. So obviously you throw hard now you hit, you can hit 99 up to 90. What is the hardest you've thrown? So in a game, uh, actually, ironically on my birthday last year, we were in Syracuse, I hit a hundred. Okay. Uh, and then last, I guess it was a year and a half ago during the whole, the back end of the COVID shutdown, I was throwing a bullpen. I got 101. Wow. That's incredible. So you throw that hard now. So as a kid, then you were kind of, you know, stronger than the average, uh, average pitcher, right. average hitter. Were you just throwing it by and just blowing it past these kids? So whenever it would go over the plate, I would, I knew. Yeah. So the way I explained it to people, I kind of taught myself how to pitch backwards because before 
figuring out the whole pitching side of it and understanding, mm -hmm. you know, getting ahead early in the count, making sure you can yeah. control the strike zone. I was always just the thought of how hard can I throw the ball? So okay. whenever I would be in the general vicinity of the strike zone, there weren't very many guys hitting it, but it took a little bit of time adjusting to not just being a thrower, but being a pitcher and being able to control it. How many kids did you hit though, before you learned how to control it? <laughs> uh, probably not as many as I, I'm leading on, but there was definitely, and I mean, even there's every, every now and again, one will get away from me, but I think not necessarily hitting guys as much as just being a little errant around the zone and, yeah, you know, figuring out how to minimize the walks, but you know, it's a work in progress. We're getting there. Yeah, no, for sure. So you, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens in this season. Hopefully uh, you'll break camp with the Brewers, but we can talk about that in a, in a quick second. Um, so you mm -hmm. still were playing catcher and pitching when you went to uh, Juco and why did you, why did you go that the Juco route instead of, um, or were, did you, was that, did you have any other offers? I know you ended up, ended up going to pit, but talk to me about that. Yep. So they, I sat out my junior year of high school due to um, an elbow issue that I had. It wasn't anything serious. It was just basically severe tennis elbow. Um, okay. And the just said that it was from a combination of throwing football, throwing baseball, and lifting weights and doing that every single day. Um, given an extended period of time, two, three, four-month period of time, the arm just kind of gave out and being that it was still oh. growing. Um Basically, he said, in order for me to have any chance to play at the next level, I had to take three months off. And that was about a week wow. before the season started. So going back my senior year, uh, luckily, number one, I was healthy. Yeah. Uh, I kind of established myself as our number one pitcher uh, going through early non-district play and then ended up just, you know, pitching well my senior year not really knowing what the future would hold. I was just trying to mm -hmm. enjoy every game every time I was out there and yeah. kind of right place, right time. There was a, my junior college that I played at, came to see a game. I ended up pitching well, and I actually hit a home run in the same game. So, Oh, nice. Were you catching? I ended up picking a good day to sell myself. No, so actually uh, I stopped catching my ju my sophomore year, and I was just playing okay. in the outfield. So I was, oh, outfield. I was okay. pitching and playing outfield. Yeah. Nice. But, wow, uh, okay. I enjoyed – the opportunity to go into junior college but at the time that was really the only the only chance i had to play uh at the collegiate level so i kind of took that for what it was yeah so um obviously juco has you hear the crazy stories about there and also like in the minor leagues the, the grind that juco is uh what are some interesting stories that you or some experiences that you have while in juco oh well from from a baseball perspective yeah um uh, we get the the very early morning calls to go pull the tarp because we when I was at Pitt we had the luxury of having a tur uh, turf field so whether it was snowing or raining all we had to do was cover the mound and the plate but in junior college because the infield was dirt mm -hmm. if it was going to rain we didn't have uh, huh. a grounds crew that took care of it for us that was our job so not only did we have to go at 3.30 in the morning to pull a tarp, but we didn't have the best tarp in the world. It'd probably been there for 30 years and it had holes in it. So we had guys crawling under the tarp to, you know, holes, put tires underneath it so the water wouldn't stack up. And uh, Definitely the epitome of the word kind of grinded through it, but 
without really having the same regulations that the NCAA has. So they they made sure that they, they got our workouts in. We'd run quite a bit. Uh, we'd practice for four or five hours, and it was all about baseball. So Was your, was your team good at uh, through it. We had, we had talent. We played well uh, both years. We made it to the conference tournament. Um, you know, both years we just fell a little bit short, but we, we definitely had a team. We had, I think my freshman class, we had 17 freshmen that came in. Oh, wow. And by the time we all got through, I guess, got out our sophomore year, every guy had an offer to go play at a division or at, at a four-year school if they wanted to. So that was pretty that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. So then uh, you uh, after two years, you went to pay your transfer there. Um, why, why that university? Honestly, it was kind of a similar deal, right place, right time. We were playing the showcase tournament my sophomore year uh, in Southern Arkansas. And my, the, the pit pitching coach, uh, head of recruiting. And he came and recruited my roommate who was our shortstop. And then he came back to watch our first uh, game in the spring, which is against Grayson. Was, I think at the time they were ranked third in the country and basically come back to check up on him. And um, I started for us that game. I threw six innings through well, we ended up winning the game. Uh, I pitched a coach called me after the game and said, Hey, be expecting a call from Pitt. I was like, that's pretty cool because yeah. number one, it was their inaugural year going into the ACC. So, you know, that's high quality baseball competition is going to be mm -hmm. Awesome getting to play at North Carolina's Miami, Florida State, all those type of places. But um, a little known fact is both my parents graduated. Uh, they're both from from the Northeast, so that just kind of ironically worked out. Oh, they went to Pitt. They did. Yep. Oh, nice. Okay, so I mean, I'm sure they're like, super happy for you to go there. I mean, that's their alma mater. Yeah. So I I, I remember the phone call uh, when I called my dad and said, "You'll never guess who just called." And at the time, I had. You know, my list of schools I like to go to, especially in the area, uh, mm -hmm. being from Texas, and he kind of listed a couple of different schools. I said, no, I just got up the home with Pitt, and there was like a 15-minute pause, and yeah, he was speechless because he he couldn't believe it. He's like, no way, that's that's pretty cool. And then ended up playing two years there, and great experience. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so what was the biggest, or what are some of the differences between, like, going to a JUCO, and then all of a sudden you're in the ACC, like, where the cream of the crop are playing baseball with awesome programs there. Yeah, it was, uh, I could list quite a few, quite a few differences are all, uh, it's all a big step up as far as the travel, you know, we were getting to fly, we were getting to, uh, you know, have sponsorships. We had a Nike sponsorship and a rolling sponsorship when I was there. Um, you know, they treated us well, as far as food was concerned, we had, top line trainer, nutritionist, all these other, uh, you know, resources that we didn't have in junior college and everybody on the team was really, really cool. And, and me and a couple other guys that we had that were junior college, uh, Juco bandits, if you will, we, mm -hmm. we liked it. We were, uh, a little bit more grateful for it just because we did go through the grind of not having any of that stuff, you know? So, uh, definitely a step up and again being able to say you know we played we were able to beat virginia the year that they won the college world series we were able to oh, wow. uh sweep georgia tech and duke and 
uh, take a couple wins in Miami and just again these teams that you watch on TV in June in the College yeah. World Series. I'm I'm standing on the mound pitching against these guys, and it was what is an experience like? Kind of like it was, man. It was looking back on it. It was incredible in the yeah. moment. I'm I'm one of those people who. And I don't know how common it is, but talking to me right now, and then if you see me when I'm on the mound, it's like a you think I have dual personality. Like I'm a completely different guy. Like what is what is your personality um, on the mound? Uh I want to kill you. <laughs> Do you are you one of those guys who like just are just cussing and screaming and yelling to their glove after every pitch? Like you see some wild kind of like they just kind of uh it, transfer that into like their power. Yeah, it, it takes uh quite a high stake for me to get to that point as far as making it vocal but it's just like a a lot of people have told me it's just look in my eye that they like nobody wants to look me in the eye when i'm on the mound because they think that i'm like medusa or something yeah but it's definitely i I find that zone and back to your initial question looking back like it was there are games that i played in especially being a late-end bullpen guy where the game's on the line and you don't realize the severity of the situation until you were able to take a step back yeah. and kind of breathe it all in. And then you're like, man, that like I just pitched against the number one team in the nation, or I just closed the game to sweep, you know, a top three ACC team or whatever the case was. So it, it was definitely uh, at the time, kind of an out of body experience, but something I look back on, I'm incredibly grateful for. That's wild. That's wild. So what, what, what do you do to get yourself hyped up then? Like, uh, obviously you're a reliever. Were you a reliever back in, in college as well? Like, what did you do? Did you listen to music or did you have, um, like what, what was your right process to get all, all amped up and hyped up? So typically I, I have a playlist on my phone that I listen to before the game and it's, uh, music that a lot of people <laughs> call me crazy for because it's like incredibly heavy metal like hard rock type just like yeah yeah banging some bangers outside music yeah oh yeah for sure um and then once the fifth sixth inning rolls around and you know either the starters getting close to a pitch count or we see the game's close i kind of just tailor it based off of situation um then we get to the seventh eighth inning and i'm making sure I'm going through my bands, doing my plyo stuff to make sure my arms loose. And as soon as the phone rings and I hear my name, it's like game time, just flip a switch. And now it's like, don't talk to me. I've got one job. I've got one focus and it is taking this five ounce ball and seeing how hard I can throw it by you. And how quick can I get off the field so we can do it again tomorrow? How, how hard were you throwing back in, in college? When I was uh, when I was at Pitt, man, I was uh, ninety ninety two. Were you like, one I, of the harder really, throwers? We had a couple guys that were that would flash mid nineties. Um, for me, I found a lot of success in college through my breaking ball. I always okay. through my senior year of high school all the way through my college career, I had a lot of success throwing my curveball. Hmm. Um, and then as I got into pro ball, and I got a little bit more strength in my lower half and I got a little bit more uh, awareness about how my body's moving and how I should move it. Uh, that's when I saw a little bit of that velocity pick up and then I became a little bit more fastball dominant. But when I was in college, it was a lot of curveballs. Interesting. That's good. That's good. Uh, 
Yeah, so you ended up getting drafted then after your senior year or junior year? After my senior year. So I graduated right. in May and then got drafted in June. So what was that experience like um, getting drafted by a team, a very obviously one of the, in all of sports, one of the most well-known brands in, in the in the New York Yankees? Right. It was uh, it was incredibly surreal. It was. 21 years of, you know, understanding that there was a bigger goal and there was something yeah. I was ultimately working for and kind of seeing all that come to fruition and the opportunity with just one phone call was I mean, life-changing to say the least, but but it was definitely something that t it took a minute to soak in to understand what really just happened. And then uh, we didn't really have much time to figure it out because I got called, uh, I think it was a Wednesday when I got called, and Thursday morning I was in Tampa reporting to the facility. So it was a pretty quick turnaround, but it was getting that phone call was one of the one of the best days of my life. Okay, so there is it, their low A is in, or their, their rookie ball is in the Florida League? Or no, the, yeah, the Gulf Coast League. Gulf Coast League, okay. And then, uh, all right. Um, so, did did you expect to get drafted by at all, and and by the Yankees, or there other teams like interested? I know most players like the questionnaires and all that stuff, but uh, right. how, how many teams were like heavily interested in you? Pardon me. So going through my my senior year, I, I I filled out a handful of those questionnaires, and I had a couple teams that reached out and I talked to at, at games, but. I knew the two biggest sources of interest were the Yankees and the Twins. Um, and I gathered that from the fact that they both had me out for pre-draft workouts in May. So after our season ended, about two weeks before the draft, I flew out to Staten Island for a workout. And then nice. I went up to Rochester for a workout with the Twins. And um, I did pretty well with the Yankees. I think I was up to 94. We did like a little sim game type deal. I faced five or six hitters. and. Uh, the scout that called me out there, we sat down and talked afterwards, mm -hmm. and he said, I mean, obviously it was up to the front office at that point, but they kind of saw what they wanted to see. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, two weeks later, that's when that's when I got the call. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you were in the minors just grinding. Uh, what is uh, What was your experience like uh, in the in the in Florida and also in the South Atlantic League? So let me preface by saying Charleston is one of the most fun places I've ever played baseball. I love the Sally League. And people call me crazy because there were 12-hour bus trips and there's the being in the, the southeast in the middle of the summer where it's 110 it. degrees. But <laughs> but something about playing at the Joe in Charleston on Thursday night when there are 10,000 people and it's so loud you can barely think, yet I get on the mound, I can't hear anybody. It's just like zoned in and I had a lot of fun playing playing in that league and then same thing in Florida obviously the uh Florida State League being at the big league training complexes we played at some cool fields mm. uh, travel is a lot better because they're all relatively close in the yeah. same state so but I mean I spent parts of parts of four years in the Florida State League so I definitely I definitely put my time in there yeah. and was happy to get out Dude, I I, don't, I can't even imagine. Uh, what were some of the the craziest crazier stories that you had or experiences in the in the Florida League? Because like you said, you got some long trips there. Uh, so, my first year in the Florida State League, we were playing a home game in Tampa, and if you look beyond the right field fence, right across the street is Raymond James, where the Buccaneers play. 
Okay. And they had a, uh, it was a circus or something going on. And they had this big white tent right behind, basically about from right center field to the batter's eye in center field. And it's a sunny 95 degree day, 705 start. We're all out there for batting practice. And then we come into the clubhouse and the GM of the team walks in and says, Hey, we're not playing today. And we're looking around like, what the heck's going on? Yeah. We walk back out and the umpires were talking because there was a circus tent behind the center field wall behind the batter's eye. They said it would have been too distracting. So because of the circus, we didn't get to play a game. It got banged. Jeez. That's wild. wild. Like, hey. if, that's not, if that's not minor league, I don't that's, know what that's, is. But... That's the epitome of minor league right there. Just a circus Absolutely. is more important than uh, – or just taking priority – Wow. Uh, yeah. Was there any any hitters or anybody? Yeah, any hitters in the Florida league that you just absolutely dominated or in that are in the show now? Oh, man. Um, it's funny because I feel like more times than not, I pitched well against Dunedin, which was the Blue Jays. Okay. And then I've, I've talked to quite a few of the guys that I played against, obviously, being with them last year. Or the past couple of years, but uh, yeah, there were a couple guys that I feel like. Pick a number between one and ten. Whatever it is, it isn't high enough for the number of subscriptions you have, including all the ones you've forgotten about. Because most people have an average of about eight subscriptions. So introducing Truebill, the app that gives you the power to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash BlueWire. Look, I subscribe to everything, and I always forget after the free trial is over to cancel, so I was stuck with subscriptions for services I didn't even use anymore. And Truebill saved me a ton of money. Go right now. Truebill.com slash blue wire, it could save you thousands a year. Get an effortless breakdown of your finances to see where your money is going and how to improve. Truebill.com slash blue wire. The numbers played in my favor. I think one, uh, the big team we played against was in 2017, whenever they had uh, Bo and Cabin and Vladdy and yeah, basically half the big league team on that roster um, stacked. Yeah, they were stacked. Uh, Vladdy got me. I faced him once, and I still yeah. have yet to see if the ball landed or not. Jeez. <laughs> but uh, I think did I got both. Did you talk to him about out. that later? No, I didn't. I didn't no. get a chance to. Unfortunately, uh, wasn't much to talk about, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think I got Bo to roll over one, and and I think I walked him, but. Um, I think I had pretty good success against Kevin, even dating back to, to college when I played him when he was at Notre Dame. Mm. Uh, that's one name that pops out. And again, he's a, he's a really competitive hitter. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a presence in the box. He's big body. He's got that kind of wiggle with his bat. that's a little bit intimidating, but, uh, I just would pitch to my strengths, especially when I started implementing my split finger and, and I found success against him with that. Yeah. Wow, that's that's incredible! And like that, that team was stacked, and then again, you ended up playing with some of them in the in the in the minors in AAA last season. Um, 
How how was it with COVID that year, 2020? Because you were doing well. I think you got to double A the year prior, and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. What was that year like for you? Well, initially it was it was a pretty big bummer because it was the first time I got the chance to uh, participate in big league spring training. I threw in my first big league game uh, against the Phillies in Clearwater. I threw really well through an inning, went three up, three down, had two punches. And then uh, a week later, we got the call that we were getting sent home. And that was the initial, like, get sent home for two weeks, we'll reevaluate, see where everything's at. And then that's when the world kind of shut down. Yeah. Uh, so the first week or two when I was home, I found myself kind of looking around saying, well, what now? Like, I was mm-hmm. best shape I'd ever been. I was ready to rock and roll, and it just kind of got yeah. taken away. And, Man. and it was at that time that, you know, with uh, the help of now my fiance and uh, talking to our, our mental strength and conditioning team with the Blue Jays, kind of putting a plan together as far as how can I best utilize this time to progress mm-hmm. for whenever that, that day comes where I get back on the field. And, you know, I just started taking video of my throwing program and my training and my bullpens and trying to figure out where in my delivery I could uh, be a little more efficient, be a little bit stronger, and then uh, it wasn't three months later where I was throwing bullpens where I was 99, 100 and nice. everything just kind of clicked. So definitely early on wasn't what anybody wanted. And I felt like we got a little bit taken away from us, but then whenever I was able to kind of big picture it and put it in perspective, as far as this, I was given the gift of time, how am I going to use it? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to kind of work through it and, and reap the benefits of it whenever we got back on the field this past season. That's, it's good that you're able to have that big picture view of it because I know like that year was taken away from so many people in the minors. Um, like it's it's incredible just like how much that changed like the lives of so many players. So how was it getting traded from the Yankees uh, to the blue to the Blue Jays in that Rule Five draft? That was uh, honestly it was an opportunity that we were hoping for. Okay, um, wasn't one we were expecting necessarily. But uh, I remember I was getting ready to train. It was just a normal day. Uh, I think it was a Thursday, December of 2019. And I was getting ready to get through my first set of deadlift. And my phone started ringing. And it was my agent. And I figured, well, I'll just call him back when I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then he left me a, a string of messages and just said, hey, you need to call me. Call me right now. And then the the final message was, you're a Blue Jay. And I read that. I was thinking, what was he talking about? Yeah. It took a second, but it clicked. I was like, oh, the rule five was today, whatever and figured out that they drafted me in the triple a phase and that i was uh basically going across the bridge from tampa to dunedin and i was going to have the opportunity with the new ball club so uh you know it kind of gave me a little bit of a new spark and new life i felt like things were every opportunity the yankees gave me i was grateful for but it gave it kind of got a little bit stagnant especially with all the young talent and the guys coming in guys that were calling up you know it's a bit of a log jam so getting getting fresh eyes on me, getting a fresh organization to kind of make a first impression with uh, mm-hmm. was, was an experience that definitely we were, we were grateful for. Yeah. And then again, like I said, you were playing with some people on that organization, that team's that's, organization just loaded, like with talent. Mm-hmm. Um, you were uh, able to play with um, Rowdy Telez, uh, who is a, uh, is a brewer now also. Yep. Uh, how was it? How, how was it playing with him? Like what, what, what is he like? Man, Rowdy is, I, ironically, I actually work out with him too. So I, I see him okay. every day, even now in the off season, um, man, he's a character. He's, he's always cutting up. He's got a very a comical 
kind of aura about him. He's always keeping the mood light and just loves kind of firing back. If you fire a shot at him, he'll fire right back without even a second thought. So there's always, there's always some good, uh, banter conversation. Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. Um, is he, so he lives in Texas too? Yeah. So he bought a house, uh, outside of Dallas, I think either during the season or at the back end of this season. So he's, he's right down the road for me. Nice. All right. Well, Hey, he, I got to get him on the podcast. You got to put in uh put in the good word for me. Yeah, get I'll him on the word for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I got, I'll, I'll DM him too. I'll, I'll be like, Hey, I got to have you on the podcast. Cause no like doubt. he was, uh, he was incredible. I love when we traded for him um, on the, on, for the brewers. Yep. Um, like I thought, I thought it was a, a perfect move. I thought he had um, an opportunity to, cause he was kind of log jammed as well in, in yep. Toronto. So just being able to come to an organization that needs a first baseman, like we needed power, and like he has like awesome power, juice. like he can, he can yeah. And I don't, I don't know if you're watching the playoffs when the Brewers were playing, but he had two incredible home runs. I think he was the only like Brewer that really did much in the postseason. Like the Braves just shut everyone down, but he was able to go yard a couple times. Well, he had the um, one walk off. He hit a walk off homer. Yeah, exactly. And he, yeah. he, he, he was a. Uh, he, he like I said, he's like one of the only ones who show up offensively, and I'm like, yeah. oh, man, we got it. I'm glad he's back next season. Hopefully, he's there starting first base. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to message him and get see if he can come on the podcast because I w- he's one guy I would love to talk to. He just seems like a dude who's like yeah. super personable, you know. How's that? No, yeah, yeah. But if you if you have mine, you got to give him a hard time because after that night, after he hit that walk off homer, I texted him and he completely big leagued me. I still give oh. him a hard time for it. He yeah, two hundred text messages. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. He's still big league. Dang, he's easy. <laughs> That's wild. And then you got to work out with him the next, the next, you know, the next off season. Like, right. come on, dude. Has did you ever uh, throw against him? Like, uh, and like, did he ever uh, get any hits off you back when you were with the Yankees? Uh, so honestly, I don't recall. I don't think I've ever faced him because, again, looking at, I mean, you saw him even just referencing the postseason. How much of a a presence he is in the, yeah. the driver's box. I, I think he, I'd remember if I faced him, and I'm yeah. sure I would too. Because if he had success off me, he probably wouldn't let He'd me. He'd probably let you know. So, <laughs> so I don't think I have. I'm looking forward to it if I get the opportunity to during spring training, though. So yeah. Like yeah. And then if you do get a uh, strike him out, you, you know, big league him. Just be like, oh, yeah. you know, you'd be like, I, f- I found a new workout partner. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so you ha- have you have you had any experience or have you spent any time in in Milwaukee since or even before being signed over here, um, or have you been to the state at all? Uh, I have not. So I I have oh, yet to to visit Milwaukee. I've only heard great things. Uh, another good friend of mine that I've worked out with for probably the past six years, Chase Anderson, uh, yeah, played for for Milwaukee for a few years. So he he's got nothing but great things to say. He says the uh, beautiful part of the country mm-hmm. and. Uh, I also had the the privilege to play last year with uh, a couple names you'll probably be familiar with, Jacob Barnes being one of them, mm-hmm. um, and then the legend of John Axford. Oh, yeah. yes, 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 so yes. I actually, I became really, really good friends with with Ax. Uh, he shares the same type of uh, incredibly heavy music that I do, so we kind of bonded over that. Nice, but uh, but yeah, Ax man, he's he's one of a kind he is an absolute he's a dude love it isn't guy. isn't he uh isn't he a movie buff he is 
Yeah, he's the one who predicts like the Oscars or something. I, I don't know what he does, but he he does something like that. I know when he was in Oakland, mm-hmm. I remember he was he would always put that stuff out there, which is right. incredible. Man, he seems like another dude who's just like super enjoyable to talk to. Yeah, he is. And and the fact that you know it was probably back in May, early June, whenever the Blue Jays signed him, uh, and we're like John Axel, he's thirty eight. Like we know the dude has some time in the league. We know he's had mm-hmm. a lot of success. Like. But he's 38. Like, what's he got? And he shows up the first day. We were still in Trenton at the time before we moved back to Buffalo. And uh, first day out, he steps on the bump. He's 97, 98. And we're looking around the bullpen like, dude, that's <laughs> like that's still John Axford. Like, that's yeah, he still got it. That dude is electric. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, hey, fingers when you when you do come to Milwaukee, when you come to Milwaukee, let me know. We'll have to like I love the city of Wisconsin or the state of Wisconsin. And like I'm also not born here, raised here. I grew up in California, the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh big city. Like I'm a huge city guy. And then I come here and I live in a town of like three thousand now. You know, a huge adjustment. But when you do come out here, we'll have to go get dinner or something, uh, you know, and sure. in, in, uh explore the town together. I haven't I haven't haven't spent much time in Milwaukee other than like the baseball games or at the airport. So right. We'll definitely have to go do something out here once you're out here, uh, for sure. Awesome, I plan on it. That'd be sweet. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll hit you up when, when, or hit me up when you when you do come out here. So yeah. fingers crossed, you'll be breaking camp with the Brewers. Uh, either way, you'll be here in Milwaukee at some point. I can, I can just feel it. Um, have you watched? Because we obviously have an incredible pitching staff here. We have an incredible closer, incredible bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, was that maybe one of the reasons why, like, you considered Milwaukee? Absolutely. I think. Uh... You know, first and foremost, being able to experience free agency uh, for the first time, being that I spent my, you know, my rookie contract with between the Yankees and the, the Blue Jays. Once I got to free agency, it was cool to kind of explore different options. Um, but Milwaukee was kind of always at the top of the list for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, they were incredibly interested from from the minute that free agency opened. So, nice. um uh, you know, it's, it's always, it's always a good thing to feel wanted and feel like you'd be a priority. Absolutely. Uh, and then secondly, just after talking to my agent and since signing, talking to the pitching development department and bullpen mm-hmm. coach and things like that, it sounds like their pitching development side really kind of has it figured out and they know what they're doing. So uh, understanding that obviously we're hoping for an opportunity at the big league level, but when we get to camp an opportunity to continue seeing uh personal growth and development on the mound in my mechanics, yeah. uh, in my body, whatever the case may be. And I think the the brewers really offer that opportunity. No, absolutely. And I'm going to clip that, put that on Twitter because that brewer, brewer friends are going to be happy to see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, like the pitching staff here is electric. Our, our, uh, I think just their whole development is like, they really take good pitchers and they make them even better. Obviously yeah. we have like Cy Young award winners and Cy Young award caliber no doubt. Uh, pitchers on the staff. So I think you're going to fit right in that bullpen. Like I, I love it. Uh, I can't wait to see you debut. Hopefully it's in Milwaukee. You know, John, Johnny was saying he hopes it's like, you know, somewhere where he can go, but he can yeah. drive out of here. It's like 10 hours. He'll be fine. Yeah, uh, I'll definitely have to have to go check out your debut. And uh, for sure, like I, I'm excited. I already told my wife, I said, hey, we're, we're, when he pitches, we're going to go there. We'll leave the kids. This is just going to be, you know, an adult trip. Right. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll go out there and watch you pitch, dude. I'm excited. Um, have you have you talked to anybody like on the on the pitching staff here or in the big in the big leagues or even in the minor league system here other than like Rowdy and them? So the one guy who I've been in most contact with, his name's Cam Castro, and he's one of the the pitching development. I think he's a pitching coordinator uh, at the minor league level. And 
you know, initially we had a probably 10 minute phone call about a week after I signed, just kind of going over, you know, introductions, me giving him my rundown of my pitch arsenal, things I'm focusing on this offseason, things that I feel are going to help make me successful and keep me successful building off of last year. Um, and just kind of shooting him videos of, you know, my training, my plyo work, my bullpens, and kind of getting his feedback just to make sure that I'm in the right spot getting ready mm-hmm. for that. Um, and I've had a couple other guys reach out, but uh, as far as a constant line of communication, me and me and Cam have talked quite a bit. That's awesome. Um, so moving on from baseball, you mentioned your fiance. When are you getting married? I am getting married a week from Saturday. Dude, that's incredible. Okay, where is it going to be uh, in Texas? It is. So it's going to okay. be in Granbury, which is about 45 minutes west of Fort Worth, and it's where she grew up. That's awesome. How'd y'all meet? We actually met through my younger brother. Uh, he's about a year and a half younger than I am. He's two grades below me, but they actually went to college together at Texas A&M. Uh, so they had some mutual friends, and we, my fiance and I were actually friends because she would come to the house with my brother and with their, their friend group mm-hmm. uh, for two or three years uh, before we ended up actually getting together, which was at the end of 2018. So we've nice. been together for over three years now. That's awesome. All right, man. Dude, a week from now. Are you nervous? Uh I can I can tell you I'm more nervous than I've ever been for any baseball game. Yeah, dude. I, all right. So just just be it ready for something random to happen. Like, you know, be open minded. Cause I'll tell you this at my at my wedding. So we have a I have a friend and he was one of my groomsmen. And he's one of those friends that you kind of we all we're all good friends, but he's that one that we all kind of punk sometimes. Um, yeah. he's he just easiest to make fun of. Yep. So he flew in late because he had to work. Um, so we get to the church. He he flies in the day of. So I'm with my guys. I said, hey, let's punk him. Let's go dr- drive up to him and say, hey, why did you wear the wrong color suit? Right. So we drive up to him. I roll down the window. This is like two hours for the wedding. I said, I look out, I said, hey, why did you? And then I look and he's wearing the wrong color suit. Uh-huh. Like we're all wearing gray. And he rolls up. <laughs> gets off the plane, rolls, gets out of the car in a tan suit. Oh. And I'm like, bro, I sent you every single thing you needed. I sent you the exact skew to buy the suit. And he still rolled up in a tan suit. So I'm now I'm freaking out. Like, what am I going to do? Like, can I wear that suit? But he, he it didn't fit me, right? So I'm thinking, right. all right. So my sister's boyfriend at the time, he came up clutch. He's like, I'll drive him to the closest, like, mall. Right. And we'll just find him a gray suit. So we were able to get a suit that's pretty much the exact same suit. And so we we couldn't take any pictures with the photographer of like the groomsmen because he was gone and he showed up maybe like 30 minutes before the wedding started. So I'm thinking like, oh, my goodness, like, what am I going to do? That's and uh, he yeah, it's crunch. And now I'm like, oh, my wife had no idea up at the time because she obviously I don't see her at the time. Right. Uh, but internally, I'm like, man, like, do I got to pause the wedding? Like, do we just tell her one of her bridesmaids? Like, you got to you can't go down, the, you know, just to. Right. But dude, it was it was wild. But uh, no, man, that's where are you guys gonna go on your honeymoon? We're going to Jamaica. Nice. Okay, we went to we did the Bahamas. We did a, we did a cruise. Like it was the best decision ever. We did like a four day, five night, whatever cruise, cool. and uh, man, absolutely loved it, bro. But uh, dude, I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. I'm uh, I'm a Hobie Harris guy now, so I'm glad that you were able to come on the pod. I'm excited for your wedding. Thanks I'm excited so to see you. Yeah, dude, I'm excited to see you pitch in Milwaukee. Like I said, once you come down here, we'll have to we'll have to hang out, uh, get cool. some dinner or something. Um, do you, what do you do in the, like when you're not pitching, what is your thing before I go? Uh, I love the golf. Okay. Golfer for the most part. I, I don't know at what level. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't golf at all. a scratch golfer. It, it definitely depends on the day, but I love being out on the course. 
just it's relaxing and it still brings that competitive aspect out of it too you that's awesome i i, I can't golf i I'm, i can't even like putt putt golf like mini golf like it's i don't even try anymore i give up <laughs> like, i'm so bad it's uh it definitely tests your patience that's for sure like i love golf for like the it's like bowling i love golf and i love bowling for about five minutes and then i realize i hate it and like and you're over it pretty quick i'm over it because I'm, I'm, you know when you're when you're not competitive it's just like what's the point you know right. um but yeah anyway uh do you do you game at all oh yeah what do you xbox or oh okay i can't even see a playstation okay what what games you play uh honestly and i'm not i'm I'm kind of ashamed to say but i'm still on the Fortnite train dude me too oh yeah we gotta we gotta grind it yeah absolutely absolutely i'll I'll send you uh i'll have to i'll dm you later and get your game tag but Fortnite's kind of like my like my palate cleanser of games like i'll play cod for a while and then i'm like man I'm gonna go to Fortnite because no one else really plays it anymore except me. Right. So like I'll play it, and then like I'm like okay, now I can go back to Call of Duty and all that. Yeah. But all right, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to send you my gamer tag and we'll have to grind out and uh, see Absolutely. what we can do. I'm always right, down, hey. I'm always down to grind a little Fortnite. I love that man. I love that. Well, I mean, who knows how much it'll be after uh, after you get married, man? But yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Or right, hey, I do appreciate. Yeah, dude, I appreciate you coming on, man. I'll talk to you around later. Awesome. Thank you for the time. I appreciate you having me on, brother. I'm not saying you have to love football. We all have different likes and dislikes, people. Personally, I'm not a fan of the avocado. I just don't like the mouthfeel. But, but if you're someone who loves football, I mean, truly loves it well, my sportsbook app might be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat on confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.